0: Welcome to the Vigor Life Podcast, a source of inspiration, lessons, stories, skill sets, mindsets, and strategies to invigorate and expand all areas of your life. Let's go. Hey, what's going on? Coach Luca back here with the Vigor Life Podcast. And today's episode is going to be, uh, I would say, digging a little bit into one of my favorite subjects, which is coaching. Um, and so, but let's, let's just call it the, we're going to call this the I don't know. We can call it the seven questions. We can call it the coaching habit. We can call it the uh, whatever, it may be. But my goal here is is to make you better, or um, I would say to help not you but also other people get more insights. Which is really like you know, coaching is about you know helping people learn, grow, get insights, take action, right? So that um, become like like I said last time, not just thought provoking but change provoking. Uh, I would even say action provoking. And so. Um, I've studied a bunch of different things, and I like simple concepts, meaning simple is like, you know, it, it's not crazy overwhelming to apply. So what I'm going to share with you today is going to be things that you're going to be able to apply. And, you know, this is directed a little bit more, I would say, towards um, coaching your team. So if you're in, in any type of business, let alone just the uh, the business of fitness um, and nutrition, I, I would say any business, uh, but also like this, this applies as well into just conversations with I don't with friends, family, colleagues, um, clients, like all of it. Uh, it's universal, and it's a lot of this stuff is based in psychology. And so I'm gonna you know work to keep this certainly not very very short, uh, but. You know, the, this can go much deeper. I'm going to go much in much more detail. And these are the types of things that I actually cover in, um, in my business coaching and mentorship program. I'll do full-blown webinars talking about this, going deeper, and uh, helping people. i say my, uh, my coaching clients get really good at this and having a framework that, that they can use. But that's what I'm going to share with you today. And so let, let's, let's look at it this way. You know, I come from the standpoint of um, I'm always working on helping myself get more clarity um, from, from my team, helping them grow, ha- having them help me grow uh, by getting more understanding and insight. And, and like I said, this is an, it's an ongoing process. It's, it's a forever process. But I would say that like at this point in time, I've definitely um, Kind of found a groove and, and i'm I'm very very committed to becoming the best i would say leader and coach possible for my team um and with that said you know what are what are some of the things that you kind of fall you, you kind of um let, let, let's just say what are three things that you kind of are bottlenecks let's just call them bottlenecks okay the three bottlenecks is number one a lot of times if you're and, you know, in business and you got a lot of stuff going on uh, and you're leading teams is overdependence. Um, dependence over happens when people keep looking to you uh, to do things. And then, of course, you take on that role, meaning, uh, you know, you got you to gotta fix problems, you got to find solutions. And then everybody's trained to, you know, to come to you. So, obviously, that means that there's no, you know, there's not enough ownership, there's not enough leadership from, uh, you know, or, or should I say, uh, t- people taking ownership and leadership of actions uh, based on the values and the mission of the company and things of that nature, right? So, And it just becomes kind of like this cycle that becomes overwhelming because, once again, it's like you're, you you got so much on your plate and then you're getting stuff added on your plate, right? Because everybody's over-depending on you. Well, what I'm going to talk about today is going to help people solve their own problems while growing, while getting insight, while getting, uh, I would say, realizations out of it. So that, that's one of the bottlenecks. What's one of the issues? Number two is overwhelm, right? So think about in any situation, organization, business team, you know, when you're, it, it's like this uh, vicious cycle, right? Where if you're, you know, if you're not focused, you become overwhelmed, right? Because guess what? You don't have clarity. You don't have a narrow path. Like there's too much of everything. And so that drives overwhelm. But then Overwhelm drives drives the lack of focus. It's almost like uh, it's almost like sleep and sleep and stress, right? And cortisol. It's like you don't sleep enough. You're stressed. When you're stressed, you don't sleep well, and there we go. Um, you know. So that's the second thing. And, and and a lot of the these questions and this coaching approach that I'm going to talk about today uh, solves that because it creates clarity and it creates focus on what you know what should be focused on and what should be done in in, in that scenario. Um, And number three is disconnect. And disconnect on two parts, like disconnect on kind of like two levels. Uh, One is the disconnect from impactful and meaningful work, right? I can't tell you how much of the time, uh, you know, when people are not working on something meaningful or impactful, they become disconnected from their work because they become disconnected from their work. Guess what? They don't do great work, right? They're not doing deliberate practice and focused work. And that creates an issue. And, and you know, now you look at an organization, you look at a team, you look at anything. If these are the things that keep popping up, that means that guess what? Like, You're not gonna be pushing into the same direction. <clears throat> I put up a post on Instagram yesterday about you know, birds flying in V formations together and how they become more efficient. And in um, the maori they have uh, you know, this analogy of same thing of the spear. Right? And, and to create the most impact, you have to push through those three points of that triangle of the spear forward. Where, well, that's the thing, is like if your, your, your team, right, has focus and path and is moving in the same direction, you're pushing that spear, that's how it punches through stuff, right? Same thing as the birds flying in a V formation, they do it because they're 70% more efficient, right? Um, because of the wind drafts and so, so on and so forth. And they, you know, if somebody gets tired, they go in the back so that somebody else can push. The whole point of that, that story is also, once again, if the whole team is connected to that same meaningful work, the impactful work, that mission, that vision, uh, and those values, like that's how you speed ahead uh, and get more done, better work done, and you're doing it with more enjoyment, right? The, so that's one part of the disconnect. And the second part of the disconnect is just amongst people. Right, when you don't have conversation, meaningful conversations, um, when you don't connect through asking questions and actively listening, there's disconnect between the people. And then when there's more disconnect, there's less trust, when there's less trust and connection, and less proximity and all the, you know, and, and the depth of, of uh, intensity, people start going further apart. And you know what happens when people start going further apart? No bueno, right, no bueno. So, with that said, um, you know, I'm bringing up, I would say, uh, like these points of like, how do you, right? How do you help somebody get an insight? How do you get an insight of um, when you're having conversations? And so uh, before, like, before we move into that, I'm gonna touch on a couple of points real quick because this is a habit, okay? Meaning a habit, like watch. So the first three things that I talked about, which is overdependence. dependence um, overwhelm and and disconnect like it all happens from patterns i mean like we're in a pattern and like this was you know certainly one of my weakest links that i've managed to fix and make better not not to say that you know it can't be a lot better is jumping to give advice now as coaches now if you're in fitness you definitely know this but in any kind of coaching realm or leader realm or if you're you know Managing uh, what tends to happen when somebody comes up with a questions or with a problem. Right? Our tendency is to give advice. Uh, I would say in life, too. Right? When you talk to people, you're just waiting to give advice as soon as you possibly can. And that is the beginning of the problem. right? That's, an, that's a habit. That's a pattern. Right? You try, want to try to fix the problem. You, wanna, you are the solution, you know, uh, the ego, whatever it may be. But like I said, I think sometimes it goes away from the ego. It's like literally a pattern. Right? When somebody comes and asks you a question, you, sol- you try to solve the problem. You try to look for a solution. Well, here we're going to try to do some other stuff and, and change some of your patterns. They're going to help you empower people more, uh, for you to do more of the work that you need to do and empower others to do the work that they need to do that's meaningful and impactful. So with that said, let's just touch base on a little bit of you know shifting habits. And, and number one, it's like you have to make a, a vow, right? Right? Um, because you always, there's always like this thing about why would you change something that's as difficult as, you know, and we've talked about this in nutrition, right? About having anchors, meaning, you know, what is your anchor? What's the thing that you're really working hard? Uh, like what's really meaningful so that you'll even change this? Right? Why would you change something as difficult as, as a habit that you're really like patterning? Um, maybe, like I said, like giving advice or something of that nature. If there's not something meaningful, attached to it now making a vow to other people tends to be like for me i know that's like I'm, i do really well with committing to other people that i care about like i respect and honor those people and i care about them and i love them and because of that like i'm if i make a vow to them and i make a commitment to them i'm going to actually change it like leo Babauta talks about this in uh, the power of less where you know he made a commitment to his wife and kids to stop smoking like that was his vow right because it was meaningful because it and messed with them, and, you know, he, and he knew it was not a good habit, obviously not, not a, a great role model habit, right? Something unhealthy is something that didn't help anybody else out, annoy them, so on and so forth. So he made that vow, and it starts right there, right? Make a meaningful vow to like somebody that you care about so that you'll actually change this. Number two is you know, figuring out your trigger. Um, and I, this has to be specific, you know? So figuring out your trigger is like, what triggers you to do something? So if you guys read, uh, you know, uh, The Power of Habit um, by Charles Duhigg, right? Which is a great book, by the way. Is there's always a trigger to something, right? So it may be, you know, uh, Jenny at work asked me to do, you know, another batch of work because she couldn't get her work done. And that was the trigger. I was pissed off. And then like, at, like right then and there, I, I reached into my, you know, my drawer and, and hold out M&Ms and start munching on them, for instance, right? Or, you know, every time just in a meeting uh, brings up X, Y, Z, you know, I start going in and giving advice and so on and so forth, right? This would be a perfect example for what we're actually talking about right now, the coaching questions, okay? So there's a specific trigger, and you gotta write it down. Like, what you know, what's your vow? What's your specific trigger? And then from there, uh, you know, being short and specific. Now the questions I'm gonna go over are exactly that, because uh you call it the double s you know short and specific like so what is it that you're going to do and like i said if it's too if it's if you go too deep and it's like this whole big story about what you're going to do you're never going to do it it's got to be simple short and specific seriously and then beyond that you got to practice deeply now i've talked about deep practice before but you know um if you've read, I talked about the culture code, actually the first book that Dan Cole wrote was called The Talent Code and talking about, you know, why, like, why are these places in the world where you get so much of these, this incredible talent, you know, Brazil soccer, Russia tennis, um, uh, New York, for instance, music, right? Think Juilliard School um, and so on and so forth, right? But, you know, what do those people do that, that make them so incredible and, um, and why do those people out of those places Uh, continue to produce so much talent. Well, one of the things is, is that they practice small chunks of the bigger action. Right, so instead of practicing the whole tennis serve, you know, you practice just tossing the ball up, tossing the ball up and becoming phenomenal at that, right? And then also, repetition, deliberate repetition, focused repetition, Um, you know, doing it fast, doing it slow, doing it um, different in different creative ways under, you know, stress, pressure, strain. And like I said, doing those two and one, chucking them down and then just making it excellent. Right. So that, those are some of the traits that, like I said, every person that changes a habit and becomes great at something does. And the last one here is planning how to get back on track. Meaning like once you, like you're going to fall off, like it's inevitable. It's like the diet, right? Like, I mean, once again, I hate, um, I hate even mentioning the diet because like I said last time, you know, the best diet is the one you don't know you're on. But, you know, with that said, it's like, you know, you're going to fall off, but it's like, how are you going to get back on track? And, and with that, I mean, uh, you know, there's a great book, making habits, breaking habit habits, right? It's like, once you fall off and you miss a moment, you give, like you miss a day and that's a given, right? What you need to do is know what to do when it happens. Right, So resilient systems build in fail sales, whoops, fail sales, that when something breaks down, the next step to recover is obvious. And uh, I've talked about this in a blog before where it's like, okay, cool. When this happens, right? Like when you can't go to lunch at this cafe where you have the healthy salad, your favorite salad, um, and you know, you get an emergency meeting or this and that, you know, what is, what is something that's likely to happen? It's very possible or probable. Like what are you going to do then? Right? Plan B. And I would even go too far and say, like, okay, and if plan B can't happen, then what's gonna be plan C? Okay, so with that said, you know, those are the things that you have to build in to, uh, I would say, to change your habit. Because once again, like when I talk about these questions, like it's gonna be easy, you know, to go like, oh man, like this is pretty simple. But like you have to, first of all, you know, notice yourself, like, what do you do in those scenarios and those patterns? Because you can have all this information but to change this habit and you know shut up and not give advice and ask these questions and you know listen then at that point in time uh you will actually start working on this remember this is what i talked about repetition 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 yeah this is where you start with it right um and and i would say this too most people will uh i would say now that you like now that you have the questions is like you can ask too many questions at one time don't ask more than one question in time, right? This is so powerful to, like the you'll become so much of a better communicator and so much of uh, create better connections and learn more, right? You're gonna get more information and learn more when you ask a question and listen, you know, and then ask another question. And so with that said, right, what's one of the, uh, this question is called the kickstart question. And so I'm gonna, uh, like I said, fly through my notes a little bit here because it's well put it this way there's quite a bit of information here but nonetheless remember that that when it comes to coaching there's there's two formats before we move into the first question okay so there's either coaching for performance or there's coaching for development like this insight actually was was really big for me because coaching for performance is basically when you're trying to solve some type of you know problem right like uh, you want a solution to something like how do I do this right um, so it's it 's an issue that you 're solving the problem you 're solving the issue. Coaching for performance i 'm sorry for development like turns the light on to the person right it's it 's like the whole thing like the, there 's a person lighting the fire and there 's the fire right Coaching for performance is like you 're addressing the fire coaching for Development is you're addressing the person that put, you know, that, that created the fire, right? Um, and I, I, would, I would have you consider that you know, where you have the most growth, and each one has its own place, right? But where you have the most growth and connection and the most value is when you're able to coach for development more, right? When you turn it on the person and address the person. So, um, you know, there's three Ps in this model that you can focus on. Okay, Um, and we'll kind of go back to, uh, we'll get back to this, but I wanted to share that. And it's uh, uh, either the project, the person, or the pattern. Okay, now, what that means is that like with any situation, those are the three different things that you can uh, can focus on. And most of the time, the project and the person, AKA the person that they're working with on the project, right, those are all, I would say, performance uh, coachings. But when it comes to the patterns, see now, those are the patterns of the person that's when you turn to development. And so with that said, the kickstart question is what's on your mind, right? What do you think? There's different ways to, like, to ask that question, but essentially it's, that's the kickstart question. What do you think about? What's on your mind, right? And what, what does that do? Well, number one, you know, a lot of the conversations you have small talk. Like I know that, you know, and there's, there's such a thing as called building rapport, and it's cool right but you want to get to imagine that like coaching happens not just like in an hour long strategy session an hour and a half or whatever or not like it happens like in 3 minutes in 5 minutes in 10 minutes right like you can you coach every day in asking the right questions and getting to an insight and a solution so you know while small talk can be useful in a conversation it's rarely a bridge that leads to a conversation that matters let's be real right Small talk is never going to get us to something that actually matters—an action step, an insight, growth, any of that, right? So, you, you like don't begin your coaching conversations with an agenda that was a perfect a week ago. Uh, you know, something that like you already talked about, or like, hey, like you want to get to the root of what's happening right now. So that's why that question, like, what's on your mind, right? It's so powerful uh, because now it, it puts the process in front of what really matters, right? And so the question what's on your mind quickly turns into real conversation about the thing that matters most right now, right? So, I mentioned this before, that coaching for performance focuses on specific problems. Co- coaching for development focuses on the person dealing with those problems, right? And so, it, think about it this way. Um, you, can, you can bring this up uh, l- literally in a conversation. So, whatever that person brings up, okay? So let, let's look at this, right? Whatever that person brings up in that conversation, um, I'm actually uh, digging into this note because this is, this is a powerful one. So they say, well, I'm dealing with X, Y, and Z, right? And so with, with that scenario, like when you ask what's on your mind, um, you might say, you know, the the fill in the insert, the thing that they're working on, right? So. I I would say back, okay, so there's three different facets that we could look at. The project side, any challenges around the actual content. Uh, The people side, any issues that you're having with team members, colleagues, departments, bosses, customers, clients, Um, and patterns. If there's a way you're getting in your own way and not showing uh, up in the best way possible, where should we start? So notice how, like, once they bring something up, they'll choose. They'll be like, well, it's actually, it's this content ah, you know what, it's this person. Um, and it doesn't matter which one they pick, it's just a strong start to a conversation. So whenever, and, and then whenever they're done discussing that, you know, P, uh, you can actually ask a, a, about another P. So for instance, hey, if this was a thing, what would the challenge be here for you? So meaning, let's say they, br- they brought out, and they, uh, they they brought up the project, right? And they talk about that, and they go over that. And then from there you go, hey, so if, you know, if a person was a problem in this situation, what would that thing look like? Wh- who would that be? What would that be, right? Or if it was a pattern. So if it was a pattern on your side that's a bottleneck and stopping you, like what would that be? So notice that like, you know, what's on your mind opens up the door for the person to actually say what's on their mind, right? Now, I will say this, that that doesn't necessarily mean that whatever's on their mind is the most important thing, right? And the you know, we'll get to the all question, which is, which is the second one that's gonna bring uh, clarity out of it. But, notice how now you have a structure. Like, you ask, asking what's on your mind, that's what's gonna come up, because guess what? We are what we give our attention to. So the Kickstarter question helps make explicit something that may be influencing the way that, you know, that person works or is thinking about it, or whatever, right? It's bringing it up. And then you can even categorize it in a sense of guiding that conversation, whether it's a, it's a project, it's a person, or it's a pattern that they're dealing with, and then once again, are you going to do performance coaching? Are you are going to do development coaching. From the set, and then the second question. Yo, this, this is like I've I've lo- I've loved this. So after learning this, like I use it all the time. But it's the all question, but all as an awe. And the second question is, and what else? So the first question is like, hey, what's on your mind, right? The second question is, and what else? And that question has impact because the more options can lead to better decisions and you ask more questions, you, and it's like you buy yourself time too, but the thing is, like, how many times have you, know, you thought something and by somebody asking you deeper questions or like, hey, what else? You start, I know me personally, I speak I speak kind of like my thoughts. So I'm, I'm clarifying my thoughts as I go through it. And you know, when you say what else, They're going to end up keep adding, well, you know, and there's this other thing, and actually now that I think about it, right, this is the problem, right? So that's what the what else question is so powerful, and actually it's it's gonna come into play later on as well, but uh, the first answer is never the only answer, and rarely the best answer, honestly. you know, Better options lead to better decisions, which lead to better outcomes, and when you ask that question, it gets people to talk, to open up more. You also get more insight of what they're thinking about. And so giving wrong advice often feels more comfortable than asking a question. So this is one of the things that I talked about at the beginning, right? So as as both we and organizations value clarity and certainty, and so think about that when you, you know, if somebody says something, you ask them what's on your mind and they talk. Natural tendencies to do what? Give advice, oh well yeah, you know what, in this situation you should do this, you should do that, or have you, you know, done this, that, and the other. But what if you were just like, okay, that's interesting. Um, What else? Right, and boom, you get more answers and more answers and more answers, right? So when you're not entirely sure what's going on and you need a moment to figure things out, the all question buys you extra time as well, too. So instead of like, you know, we we talked about how that whole overwhelm and and the dependence on you uh, on answering and having a solution, Right? Sometimes you may not like have enough information. sometimes you may not have a solution. sometimes you might, may not even be better uh, to help them. So what you say, what else? Tell me more, right? And, and once again, as I'm saying this, note, like think about how you could use this with clients. Think about this, how you could use it with, with your team. Think about this, how you could use this in so many different situations. Um, so use the principles of practicing, you know deeply to ask and what else, with genuine interest and curiosity. And I think this is uh, you know. Kind of like common sense, but nonetheless, you know, I, I want to bring it up and mention it because people will run this like robotic, you know, okay, cool, this is the next question, versus like what else? And then, you know, leaning in and being intrigued and giving feedback, like, hmm, okay, yeah, interesting, awesome, tell me more. What else? Right? Like and really listening, actively listening, so you're engaged. Okay, you mentioned this, what else? This is key, okay. Once somebody says there's nothing else. Uh, that's not a bad thing, you know. That's that's like legitimately means that you know success. You move on to the next question. There's nothing else. Um, and when it when it's time to move on, the variation is there. Anything else invites closure, while producing the same result. So, uh, you know, don't fall victim to the paradox of choice. And when all question generates, you know, three to five answers, you make great progress because, you know, obviously that question can induce. Now, like, think about this, right? You said, what's on your mind? And then we dug into like, what else? So we got a, a slew of things. Maybe it's, only, maybe it's only one, but maybe it's five. Maybe it's five or six different things. And, you know, that can create overwhelm. But, but hey, that's, that's why we're moving on to the next question. And because, yeah, you have progress. You actually got a lot out of them, right? That's great. Um, and remember, the studies also show that follow up questions promote higher level thinking. So, perfect example is like the all question. It deepens understanding and promotes participation. It gets people more involved. And think about it, people want to be heard. So that's a huge key point here. But, okay, we had question one. Kickstarter question, what's on your mind? Question two, and what else? And we got everything out. Now there's number three, the focus question. What's the real challenge here for you? So so if you jump in to tackle a presented problem, typically you're working on the wrong problem. Doing work, you're, uh, you know, your team or or doesn't want to do or doesn't want to get done. So the, the the challenge that most people present is not the real challenge, right? It's a symptom. It's a secondary issue. It's a ghost of a you know of a previous problem or something like that. So that's why the question, "What's the real challenge here for you?" Like creates focus, right? And so it slows down the rush to action. So you solve the real problem and not the first problem. Because think about the tendency of like solving the first problem but it's not the real challenge and you're trying to solve it or you're jumping in to solve it going back to do that work that's where how this focuses laser like lasers in on the, the real challenge for you right so the question also invites analyzing multiple challenges and it makes it personal instead of appealing to you know high level abstract challenges i right, think about that right because if somebody said what's the real challenge here for you and i just shared four I have to focus and analyze and think about which one it is that I really want to deal with and 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 share with you and ha- have you help me fix it um so you know if, if asking what 's on your mind reveals many problems don't focus on one or uh, offer advice instead follow up with the focus question right because you can you can only you can only coach the person in front of you right don't tolerate gossip about someone else ask the challenge question to focus on the relationship right so think about this um as far as like, when's the last time that you've done something like that, right? When's the last time that like, certain things were presented to you and you said, okay, and what else? Hmm, that's interesting, tell me more. And what else, right? So, now you're getting stuff up, and when when did you say, when's the last time that you said, hey, what's the real challenge here for you? Okay, so, and and think about this. If listening to high-level conversation about us and we right, instead of me and I, the focus question can bring focus to the person at hand, right, because it's like, what's the real challenge here for you, okay? Adding for you to the end of many, uh, end of uh, as many questions as possible can make conversations more development than performance oriented, right? Because you're, you're, you're focusing that on them, like what's their challenge? And, and that's where the development part comes out, and that's what I love about it. Um, and, and also, like remember that there is a place for your advice, okay however, one of your roles as a, a leader you know manager coach whatever it, it it may be in this scenario uh is to have answers right so it's not just of course like we ask questions because a lot of times when you ask questions people figure stuff out for themselves but look, you're still you know or if you're an expert in something right or if you're the person that like you still that there's a place for that that I'm not saying that but like why not answer the right question for that right time? And that's what, uh, that's what this does. So also the last thing on that is that research shows that adding for you to a question helps people figure out the answers faster and more accurately. So like a lot, like these questions are all based in like, uh, you know, I'd say scientific findings in, in, uh, in psychology, right? Uh, from there, the number four question is the foundation question, which is what do you want? So, and there's many reasons why the what do you want may not be asked or answered clearly, uh, but the illusion of communication has taken place in that, in that matter, right? The illusion that each party knows what the other one wants sets the stage for plenty of fl- frustrating exchanges. That's why this question, um, you know, and it's actually the first time that kind of like that question became like really, really powerful was like in Warrior. Like, hey, what do you want? Right? What do you want out of this? Um, Matters because guess what? Like, that's how you get a focus point and a target, and you can reverse engineer stuff, right? Like, once our surface requests or tactical outcomes, uh, needs are affection, freedom, participation, creation, identity, protection, recreation, understanding, you know, substance, under, understand and express what you want. When we each understand what the other wants, we're in the middle of an interesting and worthwhile conversation. Right? Imagine how many conversations happen, and like at the end, you legitimately couldn't answer like what the other person wants, and once again, like maybe you never asked them that, right and the thing is that can come off uh, as a little bit of a like that doesn't need to come off as an aggressive question, right what do you want What do you want to get out of this right it can It can be asked in a in a non-threatening way, and, and actually that's how you want to do it in this situation um you know, if, if you're not as sure about a situation and you read it as unsafe and you begin to back away and able to engage your conscious brain, like that, that essentially is not knowing what somebody wants. Right. So the others engage rather than retreat from you focus on, on, on Terra. So like, this is, this is an acronym that, you know, pretty much, uh, it's has, has been very helpful uh, when, when you do the at what you want question. So think so that you think about how to influence the environment that drives engagement. So T is for tribe. So this is when the brain evaluates whether someone else is on your side and, or, or in your opposition. So we talked about this in other podcasts as far as like, you know, if, if somebody doesn't feel, actually we, we talked about it in the, uh, the Culture Code episode where if somebody doesn't feel like they belong, that creates threat, right? And opposition essentially like, hey, Are you with me or against me? So that's the T, it stands for tribe. E is for expectation, right? Where the brain evaluates whether what we're going, uh, what's going to happen next is clear or ambiguous. So when you don't have clarity, right, once again, then you have anxiety. And if we have expectation, put it this way, threat goes down at least because we know it's out in the open. R is for rank, where the brain evaluates whether someone else is more or less important than you are and its effect on your status, right? So once again, If you're trying to put yourself above somebody, right? That can create an issue, and so all this, you know, the questions of what you want can bring out, like I would say, reduce all of these issues. And the last one is A for autonomy, where the brain evaluates whether you have a choice or not. Remember, and once again, these questions help create that. So remember what Terra stands for, and it's almost like uh, something that you can run through. It's like it's like a filter, right? T's for tribe, E's for expectation, R's for rank, and A's for autonomy, and you can like. Dig into that. And that's why I said that this is, uh, you know, all, although I'm digging quite deep into these subjects, you can go way deeper. Um, and the reason why I, I, I do full blown, you know, webinars on this for uh, for my, my team, especially my, my business coaching clients, so they can get a ton of insight and it helps them even better uh, with the coaching questions. So, uh, you know, your goal is to raise that overall uh, terra quotient because that's that's what it is. It's like an actual number. So the higher that number is the more I would say comfortable and people feel and the better conversations you're gonna have uh, because with asking those questions you do exactly that right notice like even leading up to that like how many of those uh those those uh tribe expectation rank and autonomy you cover with the question um, and you know then you have a miracle question and this is kind of like a, a bonus one this doesn't like I said'll I'll, it, it doesn't go, that's not the foundational question, but the miracle question is, if a miracle happens, how do you know things are better? And if it focuses on the end in mind. It, it, it's like the foundation question, but a little bit different. So let me run that back a little bit, okay? If a miracle happens, how do you know that things are better, right? And then this is where a person will say something like, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm gonna base it back to like fitness, and it's like, well, when I get up in the morning and I get out of bed to put my socks on, like, I don't have any pain in my back. Right? And so you kind of, you, you get the, you get the like, what a person wants. I mean, if you're doing it with a team member, it's like, hey, you know, I don't have to worry. If a miracle, if a miracle happens, how do you know things are better? At the end of the month, I, you know, I pay off all my bills and still have, a thousand, you know, an, an extra $1,000 in my bank account in savings. Right? Perfect example of that. Um, but it's a different way because remember, just like coaching cues, external, internal coaching cues, right? Sometimes you say something to somebody and it's like, man, snap the hips, uh, pull the kneecaps up into your socket, you know, push the floor away and you'll notice that like one of, you know, one of the coaching cues sticks better. Well, it's the same thing here with the foundation question. You might say, what do you want? And maybe that's not going to get what you want out of them but hey, if a miracle happens, how do you know that things are better? Maybe that one's going to spur more of a uh, of a better response right so from from there right so the, and, and this is like I said, all of these questions, I would say are very very powerful uh and you might be in a short conversation, you might use only a couple right it's not even going through all seven of them. you might just use a couple to get to you know a solution and an insight right but from there, what do you want? we move to the fifth question, which is the lazy question. The lazy question is like, how can I help? And uh, let's start with this, right? Offering help is not always helpful, right? You Because you raise your status and you lower the other person's, whether you, whether you mean to or not, right? And I, I, I can look back and say how many times I've done that, right? Like trying to help and be like, hey, look, you know, like you don't know anything, but I know all this stuff. And like, so I'm going to help you out, right? Um, and you know, if, if you ever like definitely dig into something called a drama triangle, right? Because uh, you know, it, it explains like how we bounce between uh, different roles, right? The victim, the persecutor, and the rescuer. Uh, and, you know, as a victim, you atr- you attract rescuers, right? And have no responsibility to fix anything because you're powerless, like you're a whiner. Like, oh, I need help, like I can't do anything. So you would actually attract rescuers who are always trying to fix stuff. Like, see, I'm the, fi- I'm the rescuer a lot of the times. You know, jumping in, trying to solve people's problems, um, you know, and and so like be noticing which one you are—persecutor. You have a sense of power and control, but you end up being responsible for everything, and you create victims. So you're a bully, right? So uh, essentially, like think of think of the boss that's just like you know, power and control, but also doesn't want to let things go. And so you create the victims. Right. Um, and as a rescuer, you feel indispensable and morally superior, but people reject your help and you create victims. So if you're a meddler. Right. So. Not, so you got to kind of like notice those. Right. Because rescuers create victims, even though we don't we want to believe that it's the other way around. But, you know, but it's not. So the question, how can I help forces, you know, a teammate, a client, colleague, whoever you're talking to, to make a direct and clear request? and stops you from thinking that you know how to best help. Right? So I'm going to repeat that because it's a big distinction here, right? The question how can I help forces the person to make a you know a direct and clear request. And it stops you from thinking that you know how to best help. Right? Big difference between I like I think this is how I should help versus the person saying like hey, this is how you can help me, right? So the worst thing that you can do is something that's not so right that it's actually useful, but not so wrong that someone tells you to stop. Make sense right? There's so many times you know in in coaching situations that uh, you know you leave and you're like, man, I think that was was pretty useful, but you know what I mean it's it, actually it, it, it's not so right that it's useful, but it's not so wrong that, that the person will tell you to stop, and then that coaching conversation goes nowhere, right um so if you ask, you know, how can I help, or what do you want from me? Uh, it, but remember, what do you want from me can be, a little bit, can be a little bit aggressive. So if you're asking, hey, what do you want from me? Um, I would preface it with something like, out of curiosity, or just so I know. So out of cu- curiosity, what um, do you want from me in this situation? Or just so I know, what do you want from me in this situation, right? Uh, will soften the tone. Because let's be real, like, if I'm like, man, what do you want from me? <laughs> it right? just sounds aggressive. Um, but it, it also makes a point, like, tonality, the, the way to communicate, like, how important this is. Right? Think about that, right? Like, you you could even go through these questions and go like, okay, cool. So I'm going to go, hey, what do you want from me? And that person automatically goes like, oh, man, that sounds like I'm being a, a burden, right? So then they'll be like, oh, you know what? I don't want anything, right? Bam, that, co- that co- coaching conversation is over. That opportunity you know, to, to improve, for you to get more insight and for that person to get more insight and have uh, a next actionable step is out the window, right? So don't be afraid of the, of the question. Uh, you can answer yes, no, provide a counter offer, a, a, a think about it to buy yourself time, right? But nonetheless, like you're still bringing it up to find out what you want. So asking the lazy question not only makes you more effective, but it gains your respect as well because essentially you're putting it on them and going like, Hey, look, like, you know, you tell me, right. You guide me. Um, and that was, that's going to gain you uh, respect from, from there. Number six, number six is the strategic question. Now, like this is powerful because, uh, and you've heard this before, but if, if you know, the question is, if you're saying yes to this, what are you saying no to? Okay. Um, and I think that in life, we should always think about that regardless. I think that's a great co- like lesson in life, right? You say yes to this, man, you're saying no to something else. Um, and, you know, I, I realized that the painful way because I was saying yes to a lot of stuff. And then, you know what I was saying no to? Uh, my sanity. <laughs> my sanity, my rest, my recovery, my sleep, you know. Um, and it, it kind of, you know, that kind of crushed me because of the same thing. I was kind of living in that rescue role and, This, you know, this helps person clarify because remember, somebody might say something and then forget about that. Like, man, if they they dedicate that time to, well, I'm going to work on this project an extra two hours a day. Okay, great. What are you saying no to uh, to now? And it's like, shit, I might be saying no to my family and my kids, right? So being busy is not a measure of success, right? And the maxim work smarter, not harder sounds good, but it's impossible to act upon, right? So the qualifier, the, the other thing too is, and I, I'm at fault for this too. You know, the qualifier, strategic, is overused. Right? How many times have you heard that? Like, this is a strategic step. This is strategic action. Right? Um, and Michael Porter defines strategy as the essence of strategy is choosing what not to do. And I like that. Right? It, I always tell people, uh, you know, first figure out what you don't want to do or don't want to be you know, before you actually figure out what you do want to be. Um, and a yes is nothing without the no that gives it boundaries and forms, and that's, and that's why this question is so great. Um, the no of a mission applies to the options that are automatically eliminated by you saying yes, right? So if you say yes, you're automatically eliminating certain things. And the no of commission puts the spotlight on how to create the space and focus energy and resources to create the yes. Right, because as soon as you say yes, there's gonna be energy and resources and, and people are they gonna have to go towards that yes, right? So uh, let's go back to that model of three Ps that we, we talked about at the beginning, right? The three Ps are projects, people, and patterns. And so when somebody says, yes, okay, what are the projects, people, and patterns to ensure that you cover all the bases uh, for the no of, of commission? So this, this is a great way to have a filter to bring things up, right? So on the project side of things, what are you going to say no to? On the people side of things, what are you going to say no to, okay? Uh, and... Remember, it's easiest to say no to those that are closest to us and to those who are as distant from us. In between, it's much harder. Say, so say no by saying yes more slowly. Stay curious before committing by questions around urgency and resourcing. Um, and, and the thing is, in response, the person will either order you, know, order you to work, have good answers, go find the answers, or find someone else to do the work. Does that make sense? But it's like now, you're, you know, once again, you're creating clarity around this. And remember, it's awkward to say no to something because you're actually saying no to someone. And you, th- this is why this question is powerful because it's bringing those things up. It, so many times people say, yeah, I'll do that without actually having any implication of what that really takes and who they have to say no to, right? So, you know, the question behind the question is is a strategic question. So what will you say no to if you say yes to this, right? And the strategy question helps fight the planning fallacy where we you know we fail at estimating how much time we take to complete something. So it brings that it brings that up. And and now you're dealing with reality. And see this is why I love these questions because now you're actually coaching. It's not some bullshit like feel good, um, you know, oh man, like yeah, I gave a suggestion and I gave advice and it said, yo, and they're committed, because remember you heard that, you know, they committed to this. Yeah, but there's a lot of stuff behind that, right? Because the prospect theory, uh, theory says that we overvalue things that we have because we don't don't like loss, so the strategy question focuses on what we're holding on to, and that and that is very 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 important, right? And at the the last part of this, um, the last question is the learning question, and like I love this. Okay, the learning question is what was most useful for you? Okay, and. There you know there's many reasons why this question is great so you know people don't learn when you tell them something or even when they do something but instead when they recall and reflect on what happened so think about how you could actually use this in anything that you do like team meetings like one-on-one meetings right um and the question what was most useful to you create space for people to have learning moments right and we talk you know we talk about how much it's it's difficult to um absorb knowledge or retain knowledge, right? But when you create learning moments, like you speed that process up. And so retention increases when we make the time and effort to find an answer. Or we create and share our own connections to new ideas and like that question allows for space for that to happen. Right, so you interrupt the process of forgetting by asking a question. Right, so find a way to ask the question in places other than the end of a conversation too. So notice like all these questions, like you can use them in different areas. It's like the what else question, right? So think think about like we're gonna run back just a little bit, but when you ask, uh, you know, what's the real challenge here for you, whatever they say, you can say, oh, okay, what else, right? Because now once again, they're gonna give a couple of challenges, and then when you ask the next question, what do you want? Right? They're gonna tell you that. And what else? Notice, what else is like the magic question after anything? Um, so, you know, just know that the learning question frames what just happened as something that was useful and creates a moment in which to figure out what it was. Right? So remember that, uh, you know, just the fact that you stated as useful, right now that frame is there that, hey, this was a useful conversation with, you know, my my manager, my, my boss, my teammate, whatever, my, uh, my client, my coach. Um, So it has the person focus on one or two key takeaways from that conversation, and that's where they're gonna learn, that's where they're gonna grow, that's where they're gonna get insights. So fixing the question with for you makes it personal. Like we talked about this before. People are telling themselves that was useful, which sounds like better advice. Right, think about that, right? Like if you came from a conversation, somebody said, hey, how did that meeting go? Oh man, it was useful, like this is what I got from it right but th- that that's important like that's important that the person believes that it was a useful conversation now of course and, it, and of course it was cuz part of that is the frame like they're going to learn from that right the answer to the question not only provides guidance on what to do next time but reassures you that you're being useful right it's a reassurance for you that as a coach as a leader as a mentor as a, you know that you're being useful right so and finally, the question prompts inside instead of eliciting judgment. It reminds people how useful you are to them, right? Because it, there's a lot of scenarios where the conversation happens, and a person doesn't leave like, "Hey, that was useful," and I. But I, but that's how it should be, right? Or that's what I'd have you consider that that's what you're shooting for, right? So and and if you guys have read the Power of Moments uh, from Chip and Dan Heath, uh, and this is even before that if you guys have heard of the peak end rule it says that how we evaluate an experience and is disproportionately influenced by its peak and its ending moments um and you know i've i've talked about studies before about like how certain things end you know colonoscopies or a visit a gynecologist like they made a, a one or two minute difference of how it ended and it made the person experience so much better so you know the question of was that uh, what was the most useful for you it ends in a kind of like with the peak end rule where they have an insight and a learning learning moment at the end right and that's what they remember most cuz remember you remember the peak of a uh experience or uh you know a like a travel moment or a meeting or whatever in the end so you know that could be that could be a bad, like the peak could have been a bad thing, right? You remember the worst thing about it, the, the kind of like the, the best or the worst thing about it, and the end. So here you have an opportunity to say, you know, what's, what was useful for you. You have an opportunity to kind of play that peak end rule where, you know, because that was an ending moment and the ending moment ended in something useful in an insight and a learning moment, right? And and they walk away from that. So with that said, right, those are the seven questions, I, I, and. I strongly encourage you to use them and use them what I mean you know what we talked about at the beginning like making you know making a vow and a commitment to some somebody else like finding the trigger you know having the making it specific and simple like you know uh, deliberately practicing it and also preparing for uh you know and if if this then that type of scenario right so like this this has to like you have to practice this so yeah there's seven questions but you know, this next time around after, after you listen to this podcast, hey, maybe the conversation that you have with a team member, with, with a client, whatever, you start using that. And maybe they come to you and they're frustrated and you start, hey, with, you know, what's on your mind? And then you listen, right? The number one question, the Kickstarter question, what's on your mind? The number two question is the awe question, and what else? And remember, you can use the and what else question and anything else, and it's very, very powerful. Number three, the focus question is, what's the real challenge here for you? And remember that you can also always follow that up with, and what else? Number four is the foundation question. What do you want? Number five is the lazy question. So how can I help? Right? What do you want from me? Remember, if you say, what do you want from me? You want to be like, hey, I'm curious. Just understand better. What do you want from me? Number six is the strategic question. If you're saying yes to this, what are you saying no to? And the last question is, what was the most useful for you? Right? So those seven questions are massively powerful, but start using them. And you know, don't like, the the other thing about this is too, like I said, there's a lot of depth uh, behind this, which is why I like to dig deep into the subjects and and figure out all the whys uh, and the associated questions and thought processes. And you know, I brought things up like the Terra Quotient. Um, Well, you don't have to overthink it because even just asking those questions, like starting today, having the next conversation, it's gonna blow your mind by just like, seeing that you get a lot more insight, a lot more information, a lot more clarity, and so does the person that you're asking them. And with that, you're already improving your coaching. Right, and, and so, and that's the whole key. The whole key is not to be perfect. The whole key is not to know everything. The key is to, be, to get better. And if you start asking these questions, not even all of them, but maybe just a couple in the right scenario, starting today, it means that you're focusing on becoming a better coach, and you're you're focusing on helping people break through, right? And so, you know, at the end, what does that do, right? We talk about things like autonomy and clarity, and you know how these things help, uh, like so much. But if you look at a team, and you're constantly coaching them up through this process, and they get more clear on what they're, you know, what the challenge is for them, you know, and you get very, very focused and find the right target. And then at the right point in time you give advice and they're empowered to go do it like this is how your business moves forward faster this is how your organization your team grows this is how everybody everybody else succeeds faster and it helps also you succeed faster same thing with clients same thing with like I said if it's in a fitness or nutrition realm whatever else it may be like this is how you move forward faster because otherwise like I said there's overdependence there's overwhelm and you know, there's there's lack of focus. There's all of these different things, and no clarity, and there's no connection to the to the work or to you. And that never wins. Like I believe that these are, you know, the kind of the the roots, the foundations of you know having successful uh, teams, organizations, coaching relationships, uh, and being able to help the other person more. Because remember, like you know, like Zig Ziglar said, we bring it back to that, right? The more you help others get what they want, the more you get what you want. And this is part of the process of helping other people get what they want. But guess what? You got to bring that stuff out. And a lot of people don't know how to do that. So you're the person that helps them do that and be, become useful, just like the at last question essentially implies. With that said, guys, like, you know, I've, I've been picking up the podcast a little bit um, and just, just sharing more of what I'm learning, what I'm using, um, uh, some of my insights, and, and, and hopefully these, these help you out. as always, you know, uh, please go to iTunes, uh, give it a review. Uh, always appreciate those, share this, like I said, if it's helped you, it can help other people, and and that's my goal, my goal is to really, really, you know, help other people become better coaches, better leaders, you know, change their life, change your body, as you know, the Vigor Life Podcast, I said, this is insights to upgrade your life, and so, with that said, love and appreciate you, I'll see you in the next episode of Vigor Life Podcast, peace.